Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Dread Time Stories. I'm your host, Dr. Phobia. And tonight, dear patients, before we begin, I have a couple of announcements to make. First and foremost, we'll start with the happy. I just took a look at the subscriber numbers, and we have 404 people that enjoy me invading their nightmares. So, I want to say thank you to all of you new and ones that have been around for a while for all your continued support in all things spooky next the bad well sort of the bad i would like to apologize for being away from the channel for as long as i have this thing we have going on in the world right now covid19 it's scarier than any story i could read you from the dark recesses of the internet but I am back, and I am ready to bring you more content and more scares. So tonight's episode is all going to be true scary stories from a subscriber that's been around for quite some time. Now, I'll let him introduce himself and give you his very unique nickname. So sit back, relax, and enjoy tonight's tale, Truly Terrifying. Volume 5. Hi everyone. Uh, long time listener on this channel. First time ever submitting anything. I don't know if it's because I'm reaching my mid-30s or if it's just time for me to tell my stories, but I think I'm ready. So, here they are. I want to start off by introducing myself. You can call me O.T., uh, the reason for that is because that's sort of my handle in a few Overland camping groups and actually stands for Overland Taco. So the reason for it is obviously I enjoy the Overland camping scene and have been doing it for about five years. And the taco part, in case you wondered, comes from the fact that I drive a Toyota Tacoma, uh, affectionately known by most people that own them as the taco truck. So, now that we have that out of the way, these are three stories that, well, definitely had an effect on me at the time when they happened, and honestly, two of them I still can't explain to this day. So, if there's anybody out there that maybe can explain exactly what I saw, please let me know, because I would like to find out. So, story number one takes place back in 2016. I had just gotten my truck not too long before that and had all the basics when it came to overland camping gear. A cheap truck tent, a cheap air mattress to go in the bed, and that was really about it other than a few blankets and a pillow, which honestly some nights out there got way colder than the blankets and the pillow could support, so a sleeping bag was purchased not too long after. I decided to go into the Colorado Rockies. Being a Colorado native, it was an area that I knew quite well, with my friends Brian and James. Now, Brian and James were not Colorado natives, but they were definitely not newbies when it came to the overland scene. They had been doing it 10 years when I first started. Other than overland camping, another passion that Brian and James and I all share is dirt bikes. So, 
On this particular trip into the Rockies, we had our dirt bikes with us, and after setting up camp, we decided to go for a midday dirt bike ride. By the time we got back, it was getting dark, so we threw some burgers on the fire, busted out some of our favorite beers, and just decided to hang out for a while. After a few hours of drinking and hanging out, we all got pretty tired after the long day's drive there, the ride itself, and the alcohol. So we decided to turn in. Now the way we had our vehicles was all of them were backed up to the fire in a triangle, about four feet away from the fire for safety reasons, of course, but to sort of form a circle with some spaces in the middle. I'm not exactly sure how long I was asleep, when I was awoken by a sound. And at first, I didn't think it was real. I thought it was something that maybe my half-drunken subconscious conjured up. But when I heard the sound again, and this time closer to my vehicle, I almost crapped my pants. The sound was that of a woman screaming. And by screaming, I mean at the top of her lungs, just letting it all out. And that frightened me beyond all reason, as it would most people. As quietly as one can when sleeping on an air mattress, I rolled over and grabbed the 9mm pistol that I had brought with me that was sitting in the, that was sitting in the tent storage pocket and held it tightly in my right hand. If I was going to get mauled to death by a banshee tonight, she was going to remember me by having a few extra holes in her person. At that exact moment, my phone went off, and I rolled over quickly to silence the ringer. When I looked down, it was the group text that Brian and James and I all shared. James responded to the group, Okay, what the hell was that? Brian soon replied, I don't know, but I can tell you this, I am not coming out of the tent to find out. I myself was just getting ready to respond when the same noise sounded again, but about 10 feet away from my truck. To say I was frozen in fear would be an understatement. I literally couldn't move a muscle. The next thing I heard was our camping chairs being knocked around. Then our food was gone through that was sitting in the cooler by the fire. At first I wondered what sort of eldritch horror awaited me on the other side of the tent flap until I noticed that whatever it was wasn't alone. There were in fact three shapes dancing in the flames from the fire. I then regained some small amount of courage and flipped over on my stomach to very quietly unzip the tent, handgun still tightly clutched in my right hand. And as I did so, I poked one eye through the opening that I had made in the tent. And what I saw was not as scary as a banshee, I must admit, but still pretty damn frightening. There was a mother mountain lion and two cubs going through our cooler right by the fire. They had knocked over our chairs and the cooler itself and were grabbing a few things 
and were slowly making their way out of our camp. I waited about 10 seconds, then grabbed my phone and texted the boys and said exactly what happened. A half wave of relief sort of washed over us. One of those feelings where you're like, okay, I'm not dealing with anything in the supernatural, but that murder kitten could still rip me directly in half. So you sort of take it in stride at that point. After about five minutes of texting each other back and forth to figure out what we could do, I heard Brian unzip his tent completely and descend about halfway down the ladder from his rooftop tent. I heard James do the same, so I unzipped my tent the rest of the way and poked my way out. We each grabbed our flashlights and shined them around and didn't see any signs of the mother or the cubs, so we figured the coast was clear. They had totally ransacked all of our food for breakfast, so we figured we would just cut the trip short in the morning and go grab something from the golden arches. But, however, Apparently mountain lions do not like the taste of beer, so the Budweiser was saved and we finished the rest of it that night before turning back in without any other incident. Now you're probably thinking that this was enough to get me to really think about camping like that and whether or not I wanted to continue, but folks, let me tell you, we have two more stories to get through and I still go overland camping even in this crazy year of 2020. Now, story number two takes place in 2018 in Moab, Utah. This was a more of an excursion type trip where we took a lot more supplies because this was a little more than an overnighter. We had planned to be out there for about a week and by then I had upgraded my rig with a very nice rooftop tent to match my buddies. We had found a couple of trails we were going to ride our dirt bikes on and potentially take the overland vehicles down as well. But, needless to say, part of our trip got cut very, very short. There's a particular trail system that we wanted to ride out there in Moab called Poison Spider Mesa. It actually has some very scenic views in certain parts and it's really not that bad of a trail so us old guys can get down very easily. We were about three quarter of the way done with the trail as the sun was beginning to set behind some of the canyon walls when we got behind a slow moving vehicle going down the trail. This was a very interesting sight to say the least because of a few different reasons. Number one, the truck that was in front of us was very old. I'm talking a 1950s, maybe 60s Chevrolet single cab pickup. The next reason, it was two-wheel drive and very low to the ground. There were rocks and things it wasn't even clearing that well. The underside of the truck was just getting bashed. So whoever owned it obviously didn't care much for it. The third and final thing we noticed was how dark the windows were. I mean, we're talking beyond the legal window tent. So dark you couldn't see anything inside the cab. At one point, the trail widened, and the window on the driver's side rolled down a little, and an arm, dressed in all black, 
gloves included, came out of the driver's side window and waved us on. So Brian and I passed on the left. James, for some reason, passed on the right. He got up next to the truck and looked inside from what it appeared. And as soon as he did, he put the throttle all the way down and tore down the trail faster than I've ever seen him ride in his entire life. That Honda he was on was running full tilt like he was being chased by Lucifer himself. And Brian and I were just super confused. We could barely keep up with him, but we did our best. When we arrived in the parking lot, we looked at him confused, you know? One of those looks where it's like somebody has three heads. And we're just like, what the hell's wrong with you, dude? I thought we were gonna take our time and actually enjoy the scenery. He threw his helmet down and looked us directly in the face. You guys didn't see what I saw. Or what I didn't see is more like it. Whoa, slow down. What do you mean what you didn't see? He paused for a moment, looking at the dirt, then looking at us, then looking back down the trail. And finally, he just shook his head. Forget it. Forget it. You're just going to think I'm crazy. Well, we already think that because of the way you were riding, but that's totally besides the point. So what did you not see? There was nobody driving that truck. You want to run that bias again? See, you think I'm crazy. No. You literally didn't see anybody inside the truck. I just said that. There was no one in the truck. It was driving on its own. And when I saw it, it actually shifted gears by itself. There was nobody in that truck. Brian and I looked at each other, confused, as a chill ran down both of our spines. That's impossible, Brian said. That there was a hand. It, it was a it was a, a black leather sleeve like a jacket with a glove. And the the dude waved us on. You saw it just like we did. That's why we passed him. I know, James said. That's why this whole freaking situation's got me just messed up, dude. There was there was an arm in the truck and then there was nobody. And there was no way anybody could have laid on the floor. They wouldn't have been able to shift it. They would have been in the way of the gear shift. That's... I just don't know what the hell to do right now. That's when I piped up. Well, boys, I can tell you exactly what we're going to do. We are going to load up the bikes in the vehicles and get out of here before whoever or whatever is in that Chevrolet comes to this parking lot. You ever had one of those moments with your friends where you just know that the person talking is right and there's no more words exchanged, just actions? Well, needless to say, that's the fastest I've ever seen us load bikes up. I had mine in the bed of the truck and strapped down in a few minutes and the boys had theirs on their trailers in no time flat. And we were making our way down the road, out of the parking lot, back to a little more civilized part of Utah. At one point, I felt like my bike wasn't strapped in enough, so I got out to tighten the straps. 
And when I did, I looked up on a scenic overlook, and there were two headlights shining down on me. I didn't even worry about the bike at that point. I jumped back in and put that little Tacoma all the way to the floor because the feeling that I got, the feeling of being watched, wasn't the normal feeling of being watched. It was like something was staring at me with malicious intent. This last story is definitely the one that I can't explain the most, even more so than the driverless Chevrolet. But I still want to tell this, and I'd still like to get an answer on maybe what I saw. The last story takes place in Texas, where James is originally from. His family owns a large plot of land. We're talking 250 acres in East Texas. For those of you that have been to East Texas, you know that's where the plains turn into the wetlands. And that's exactly what their property does. It starts out grassy and nice and turns into a swamp. They actually say that it's so close to part of Louisiana that you can actually cross over the state line on part of their land. I have yet to try that. And after what happened, I don't think I ever will. So we decided to go camp on the back section of their land, about 10 or 15 acres before it turns into total swamp. We actually didn't have the bikes with us on that trip. This was just more of a relaxing sort of deal, where we just kind of sit out, become one with nature, drink a few adult beverages, and just forget about our work lives for a couple of days. But this trip too, was cut short. At one point we decided to take our rigs down a little closer to the swamp because actually at this one particular section there was a pond and James did say there were fish in it so we figured we'd try our luck. Worst case scenario, not catch anything, enjoy the beer buzz. You get the idea. However, we caught a little more than fish that night and, as previously stated, this is still something I can't explain. We decided to go for catfish, so as the sun began to go down, we set up. We busted out some of the glow-in-the-dark boppers, that way we could see them when they sank, and cracked open a few cold ones and waited to see if any hogs would take the bait. It was one of my specialties to come up with the stinkiest bait possible for our catfishing trips. This time, this time I had picked out some shrimp that had actually been in an old freezer that thawed out. And after we caught a couple, it was working perfectly. And I was expecting us to actually be able to take these back to James' parents' place and maybe fillet these up later. But that idea was quickly dashed when we started hearing splashing noises coming from beyond the pond where the swamp itself actually started. Brian had just bought this new flashlight that he was just dying to test out. You know, one of those million candle jobbies that, if you look into it too long, actually burns your cornea directly onto your retina. Fun stuff. I'm pretty sure there was a warning on the side of the flashlight not to point it at planes, but I digress. After a quick scan, 
we noticed that there were some eyes peering out from the water at us. Thinking at first it was a gator, we just decided not to get too close. But then, we heard more splashing sounds. So we shined the flashlight over again, and the eyes were closer this time. But the way that they were sitting was totally different from any gator we had ever seen. The eyes themselves didn't seem to be sitting up high enough or far apart enough to be a gator. And the more that we looked at it, it almost seemed like there was a forehead peering out of the water, almost like a person. So like a bizarre game of red light, green light, we pulled the flashlight away again, waited about 30 seconds as our stomachs seemed to climb to where our hearts should be. And then we put the flashlight back in the same spot. And I can tell you what I saw is scarier than any mountain lion could ever dream of being. Sitting in the water was some sort of pale humanoid. It looked like it was part fish or reptilian from the way that its skin looked. And the fact that it had webbed hands. You heard me correct, webbed hands. But when I say it was pale, I mean it was almost a sickly white color. Sort of like something that doesn't see light very often. And as soon as we put the light on it, it let out some kind of screech and held its hand in front of its eyes, like the light actually hurt it. We didn't waste any time. We ran back for the trucks, jumped in, and we're ready to take off, leaving our camping chairs and our fishing poles to whatever beast was making its way out of the bayou. As I threw my Tacoma in gear, as I was going down through the automatic gears, it was in reverse for just a second, allowing the backup camera to turn on. And for that brief second, I nearly threw up. As it shifted and the image went black, I could see the beast, now only maybe 15 to 20 feet away from the rear bumper of my Tacoma. That is the fastest any of us have ever drove our vehicles off-road. I would say we were up somewhere around 45 to 50 just hitting everything in our path trying to get away from whatever that thing was. We didn't stop until we made it back to the gravel road that led up to the main couple of houses that the family owned. And then, we didn't even stop. We just kept right on going back to the main road. And we stayed the night in a Holiday Inn, far, far away from the family property. The next morning, we actually went back to James' parents' house, and we told his folks what we had saw. His dad at one point started acting a little funky and finally spilled the beans. Apparently he too had seen that beast down by the water and had it in the sights of his rifle, but for some strange reason just didn't feel compelled to pull the trigger. And now that he knows that it actually potentially attacked people, he deeply regretted not putting that thing out of our misery. Well guys, those are my stories. I really hope you enjoyed them. And Dr. P, I really want to say thank you for reading them. I hope that they 
may give you some nightmares. To everyone listening to these stories, please use them as a cautionary tale. Be careful out there because there are plenty of things in this world that no one can explain. That, dear patients, was truly terrifying. I hope you enjoyed it and thank you for listening. Big shout out to OT. Thank you, dear friend, for sending me your stories. I truly hope you stay safe out there, but if anything else strange happens to you on your overland camping adventures, please feel free to send those stories my way. Like I always say in closing, check under your bed, look in your closet, and sleep with the light on. The life you save may very well be your own. Good night, everyone.